are back with another episode of the Better You Podcast. This is episode five, and I'm very excited to share this one. It is another real life story. And I just, I love these real life stories because I truly believe that we can gain so much insight from hearing what someone else has been through, but more importantly, kind of their their thought process and like their inner struggles through their their different chapters of life and then kind of how they got through those because I really believe that while the circumstances may look different, a lot of times those inner battles are very similar to what we've been through. So I love the real life stories. Um, I will say that if you are interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please reach out to me. I definitely want to have a variety of people on the show. And even if you feel like you haven't been through anything, quote unquote, major, that's okay. Like as long as you are willing to just get very honest and very vulnerable with kind of the different chapters of your life and how you felt about them and how you analyzed it and kind of where you are now, then I think that that can make for a great story. I'm also excited to announce though that next week's episode, episode six, will be with our first expert. So that'll be a different type of conversation and um, we're going to dive into some really cool topics. So I'm very much looking forward to that. But first, in this episode, I talked to host for AfterBuzz TV and the It's Complicated podcast, Lauren Leonelli. And Lauren's story is a great example of how we need to pay attention to how we feel while pursuing different goals in life and recognize when it may be time to walk away. And most importantly, find our own way of doing things rather than go along with what's like quote unquote normal. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And as always, at the end, I will share my favorite takeaways from her story. I'm excited about this conversation because similar to a previous episode I did with Mel from Your BFF, like, you know, my story or or a little bit of it from having me on your podcast, but I really don't know much about your life. Yeah, I know. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm really excited to be on the other end in a totally an open book. So All right. Perfect. That is my favorite kind of guest. Okay. So we are just going to jump right into it. So go ahead and just start with kind of a brief overview of like who you are and what you do and what your life looks like. Okay. So I'm Lauren and um, I am the other half of the hosting duo from It's Complicated Podcast. Um, And that is a huge part of my life. Um, Jen Golden and I host the show together. It's about dating and relationships. Um, We actually sort of like dating. We formed a very organic, like instant friendship. It's like those, it's like when you're dating and you hear people like, I just knew when I first met him or her or whatever. And like, that's real cute to say and all, but like, you know, it's not always realistic and everything forms and grows in its own organic way. But like, that is the story of Jen and I, and that is how it happened. We met, we became instant friends and the journey of friendship was like built before we turned into like a business partnership. And I think that's why it works so well, because we end up now just talking on our show and our podcast and interviewing people like you, authors, experts about their dating life and how they're connected to dating and relationships and all of that. And like Jen and I are just being us. And I think it creates a really natural environment for like everyone to just be, you know, feel open and honest and organic and all that. And, um, sorry for the background noise that's happening here. (laughs) I've got a full house behind me of a fiance and daughter (laughs) and dog. 
Um, and that's my story. No, but I moved to LA um, in, gosh, I think it was like 15 years ago. I'm from the Bay Area. I studied theater at UC San Diego and I was started out as an actor here. And then I went down a hole of, I wonder if hosting is a little bit more organic for me and my personality, which is right when I met Jen. And I entered into a hosting class, like it was like an introduction into hosting. And it felt so right. Again, just like maybe sometimes when you meet like someone that you're meant to be with, like romantically, like it felt like, oh, this this feels a little easier than all the past other things I've tried. Like it came naturally to me. And so then that was kind of it. We, I just started hosting stuff at After Buzz TV. It's like an online um, after show network. And Jen and I hosted shows there. We went on to hosting an LA talk radio show. We turned it into a podcast and now we're here. But yeah, I've been in LA for quite a while. And I will say... I am ready to move. I am not oh, the hugest wow. fan of the city, but I'm here industry-wise. It makes sense. But yeah, I'm just kind of like, it's it's a long time to be in one place. And I don't know if you've moved around at all, but like, I'm like, I guess I kind of like change a little bit in that aspect. Like, I would love to explore like another major city and, you know, just see how the like life and world works outside of the bubble of LA, which is very specific. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely get that travel bug sometimes. I have, I've lived in Florida my whole life. So I went to college over in Tallahassee at Florida State. And then I was in South Florida for like eight years and then moved back here to Jacksonville. So right. if anything, like I move apartments, like I guess that's how I kind of like get my fix of like a new environment is like when I yeah. was in South Florida, I feel like I changed apartments like every two years. Yeah, I think that that is and within L.A. that has helped, too, I think, or any city that you're in. I think that if you just have a little bit of a change of pace, whatever that looks like, new apartment, new area of town, anything like that, even a new job, like something to keep it fresh is definitely helpful. But a new apartment, I that's how I've been in L.A. I remember being like, I've lived in this apartment for like four years. I want something different, you know. <laughs> so if you could choose any city to move to, where would you go? New York. I would love to be in New York or somewhere on the East Coast just for I love the East Coast. Uh, my fiance's family is from there. So there's a lot of like advantages to being on that side of the coast. And I feel like it would just be like and fun. I don't know. I just I like it there. I I like the speed. I like the culture. Um, I think it's really pretty over there. And it's just it feels more um, it feels like there's more layers than LA. Maybe LA to me feels a little, uh, stagnant maybe because I've been here for so long or just that, I don't know. It, it only goes so deep for me here. And I just feel like there's a lot of layers and a lot of things to discover probably because it's new over on the East Coast, and it's way closer to Europe, so that's fun. Oh, yeah. See, yeah. that's so interesting, because I feel like I, I sometimes find myself thinking the opposite. Like, over on the West Coast of the country, people are deeper in terms of, like, I don't know, like, they're into kind of all, like, you know, the woo-woo stuff, and, yeah. like, they're just, I don't know, naturally more spiritual, or they, and they care about their health more. Like, they're kind of 
I feel like sometimes like ahead of us over here on the East Coast. So that's really interesting that you're over there and view the East Coast as maybe being like a deeper place. You know, that's interesting. And you're not wrong. The perspective there, I think, is right. And I wasn't even like thinking of that. But yeah, I do think that it does feel a little more like emotionally progressive over here. And yeah, like health wise and stuff. I, I'm sure it depends on your specific area that you're into, but I guess it feels to me like there's just so many layers of like history and culture yes, um, yes. over on the East Coast. And that's so to me, L.A., it feels like a bunch of strip malls and like more superficial stuff, I guess, when you're just speaking of like culture and like geography and yeah, the Hollywood industry here obviously has some historical, awesome, cool artistic things, but like. You know, other than that, there's not like a lot of old stuff over here. It's all yeah, it's like, very new. Totally. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So you're up yeah. for a change. Well, that that could be exciting. Uh, it could be. And um, <laughs> my fiance has a daughter, and she is ten. So like, we can't move until you know, away from her mother and she's got a a sister. And so it's like, you know, we're here for a little bit and that's totally fine because it could be worse. Like I don't live in the middle of nowhere with nothing to do. It's a major city with like great food and, you know, things, but I just am ready for, I think, just to explore a different part of the country. I mean, you only live once, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. It depends on your thoughts on that. Or, or uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of esoteric woo-woo stuff. Yeah, exactly. You only live once in this life. <laughs> in this body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, so let's let's just dive right in because you've already mentioned like a couple things that I'm intrigued about. That can I ask you? How old are you? Okay, so I'm 38. Okay. And, so you're 38, yeah. getting married, and your fiance has a kid, and you had a dating, you have a dating podcast, which has kind of a long history of a radio show. So that's already, I feel like there's some stuff there. So I'm excited to kind of to unpack all of that. Great. Um, what I usually like to do is um, have you start with kind of the phase of your life where you were like the most off, like where you just kind of felt the most disconnected or just were the most disconnected from who you truly are, um, whether you were really aware of that actually in that time or not. And just like, what did that time look like for you? Like what was going on? And and then we can just go from there. Okay. Yeah. Totally hear you. I think that a lot of people can relate to feeling disconnected, especially in retrospect, like looking back and going, yeah, Mm -hmm. um, that was not, I didn't know what I was doing or where I should have been. Um, I would say my late twenties. Um, I moved to LA in my early twenties. I knew that I wanted to be an actor and I just came here thinking like a lot of people do. It's going to happen. It's not going to be that it's going to be hard, but it's not going to be that hard. Like, There's no way it's going to be more than five years before I'm on a soap opera or whatever. And it's really easy to get. I mean, it's a new town. It's a new there's nobody that, you know, you've got to start a life and, and a career. So you're paying attention to those things like who are my new group of friends who and there. It's kind of like a distraction, right? Like you want want to maybe meet. I think I just always dating a guy 
Um, at the time that I moved to LA, it was long term. Like we'd been together for like three years. Then it became long distance. And so that was a distraction. We broke up. I was trying to figure out like who, you know, how to move on from that, what group of friends I was meeting, how I was going to further my career, how those things blended together, how they how they lived separately, what part of town I wanted to live in, um, what kind of a job was going to supplement my income because I wasn't making money as an actor. And I just feel like there was a lot of distraction, but like also not, like I said, you're trying to build a life. So that becomes part of the puzzle that you didn't think you were going to have to like focus on, but it, it's obviously a very big part of creating your happiness. And I think it just was overwhelming and I didn't, now looking back on it, I I am an artist and I enjoy acting. I don't I know now that that's not how I'm going to make my way or like leave a name for myself. And I think the resistance that my body and mind felt towards that career was hard to recognize because I just thought that's what I wanted to do. And it didn't so, come all that easy for me. Like acting class was like a little bit of a struggle. It was kind of uncomfortable for me, which I think is normal. But it just like, I think I just didn't want to realize that maybe this is what I wasn't going to do. And I just lived working like a job just to make money and like tried to be an actor and it just sort of went nowhere. Okay, so I think that's a very common story, probably in in L.A. in terms okay. of trying to make it as an actor. But I think also even bigger than that, like we kind of get on these set like goals, like we get very kind of attached to them, like, okay, this is what I want to be. And, and then, like you said, you get all busy and almost like distracted trying to put all the puzzle pieces together to make that happen. And then maybe you're not paying attention to like how you actually really feel about it. And is that really what you want? Oh yeah. A million percent. That's exactly what I, it's exactly how I was feeling. And I think that there are probably thousands of people here who have that same story or something very similar to that in the entertainment industry because it's so competitive and because it's so hard and because there's such a small percentage of people who actually become I guess what you would call like a famous celebrated actor a lot right. of people I know are actors that you might not know but they own homes and they're totally doing it yeah they're, they're comfortable they're successful in their own yeah, right exactly but yes, so, very, I'm sure it's a very common tale. Yeah. So, all right. So let's back up a second. I'm just curious, kind of like at what point did you know or think you know, think you knew that you wanted to be an actor and like kind of what was the whole decision process leading up to deciding to move to LA and like go for it? Like, was your family supportive? Like, what did all that look like? Yeah, my family was always supportive. Um, they, my mom and dad, they separated when I was younger, but they remained very good friends and they were both like, yeah, just do whatever you want to do. Um, it, that's whatever that looks like for you. I think I discovered as a child, I was pretty outgoing. I liked to perform. I liked to dance. I like was always doing something, always trying to entertain. And so I kind of knew 
that it was going to be something in that world. And when I got into high school, I thought, well, how, okay, so I guess then I auditioned for the play because that's what you do. Like how, how do I, I've been in dance class forever. Like how else do I perform? So I auditioned for the play and I got the lead role. And I remember walking up to the theater door and I think there was a couple different roles I must have auditioned for because it was like a collection of short plays that the, the school was putting on and the one that I was in, I got the lead role. And I remember walking up to the door and seeing my name and the lead role, the character's name. Um, and I said, who's Doris? Her name was Doris. Who's Doris? And the girl behind me went, that's the lead. I wanted that part and like walked away. And I remember instantly thinking, oh, shit, <laughs> how am I going to do this? And when I got the like the play handed to me, I was like, I have to memorize all these words. Like, what the fuck? I was like 13. I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and so I like just did it. And. I was like, I'm kind of a nervous person. So I was like nervous the whole time about it. Like, am I going to forget lines? Like I'm sweating. I'm like, oh my God. I, and I did it and it was fun. I had fun. I figured out how to have fun, but that like anxiety always lived there with me. Like every, every play got a little easier. And then I just like did plays in high school. Like that was my thing. Um, and then I thought, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to study theater, and then I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to be an actress. And all the way along, it, it became a little easier, like I got less nervous about things and it became a little more comfortable, but like it always felt like a challenge for me. And I think that's okay. I mean, it's not like the easiest thing in the world. Um, but yeah, then I think I just got to a point where I don't know. I've, I think it felt like maybe there was something else I should be doing instead. But yeah, it started, I would say the defining moment was probably like high school where I was like, I'm in this play. This is what I'm doing now. Like I got the lead part, like no backing out. You got to like show up. See that, that brings up like such an interesting point because I feel like there's certain, there's like a couple reasons of like why we fall into our kind of career path or like dream job or what we think is our dream job. And like, Sometimes it is you're just there's kind of the allure of what you think is the luster associated with that job. And so for acting, that's a very obvious one. Um, then I think it's you actually are just fascinated and intrigued and just love the actual like craft of whatever the job is. And then I think there's kind of similar to your situation where it's like you're good at it and so then when you like get these parts or you get certain jobs or certain promotions and then you know, it is a little bit uncomfortable. And so then you, you enjoy the challenge part of it. So it's a little bit of kind of tapping into your competitive spirit of, yes. Oh, I'm like good at this. So like, I, I want to, I want to be good at this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was, it was the recognition of that, but you actually just brought up something that I don't think I really realized until this very moment, but I think that the allure of what I thought an actor or actress was, is what drew me to the to wanting to be this thing and this is funny I, I think I'm saying this out loud for the first time I think that I thought if I'm an actor or actress like all those people that said I wasn't like pretty enough that I wasn't cool enough that I wasn't liked enough like fuck those people like I'm gonna be an actress and I'm gonna be on the cover of people magazine and like you're all gonna wish you were my friend like 
granted this is a this is like a teenage type thing i think i don't think it's that abnormal to want to be like oh. accepted and like want to be the cool girl you know what i mean like i'm sure again that's a very common story absolutely but I, I think that's probably what it was and i think that now I think I don't like the attention. Like, I think that's what was uncomfortable for me the whole time. Like, I think that's what I thought I wanted. And I think then what I got it, it made me uncomfortable. I don't like people staring at me. I don't like being the center of attention. A podcast is great for me because it could just be my voice. Like, I don't love it. I don't love it. It makes me <laughs> nervous. Like, you know, and so it so, sounds so counterintuitive. Like, well, then why are you an actor? Like, yeah, it's starting to kind of make sense now. Like, I I guess I was good at it and there was some natural ability there. But I think, like, inside me, it made me uncomfortable. It's almost like you were, you didn't, not, you didn't want, like, the attention, but you wanted, like, the validation that you yeah. thought would come with the attention. And yeah. so then even when you get into these roles and it's a challenge and then you get these roles, like that is a little bit of validation, but then it was like, okay, with that validation comes all this attention. It's like, I want the validation, but I don't want the attention. Precisely. And that's exactly it. That's exactly Okay. So it. then you get to LA and you're like trying to make this happen. And you were saying that you were kind of just resisting it on several levels. Like what did that look and feel like? Um, just like anxiety, like attached with like going to class and having to put up a scene and being nervous, like feeling like I, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, in my mind felt like I was more nervous than everyone else. Like, why is this like giving me, I can't wait for this to be over. Like, you know, like the scene, like, so the nerves would go away and it would feel most of the time it was like anticipatory anxiety, right? Like I would get on stage and I would like figure out how to relax and I would like get in it and then it would go fine. And so I had to tell myself like historically, like, okay, these things aren't going to happen. You're going to be fine. Like, and you know, that's probably just the way my brain works as a human. Like that is kind of how I analyze things in life. Like I'll, I am kind of like a nervous neurotic individual. So like, I'll do that with other things. It wasn't just this. It wasn't like a shock, but I also had to pay attention to the fact that like, maybe that attention wasn't something that I like made me feel happy. And when I started doing the podcast, I got a couple offers to like do like a live show podcast. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. I've been in probably 300 plays. No, that's an exaggeration. Probably, I mean, on stage performing, I've probably done it hundreds of times for a bunch of different things. And I think I know now, like, I'm not making a fear-based decision. Like I got to a point where I just said like, that's not for me. I'm like, it. I'm ready to jump out of that part of the performance race. It doesn't have to look this way. I can express my artistic voice through a podcast or through something else, even show production. Jen and I, like I said, my co-host on It's Complicated, we also um, create and produce TV show, reality TV shows. Um, and we, that is like a very fun artistic expression for me as well. So it doesn't always look like what you think it's going to look like. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I'm still involved in it, it, but it's just like, I think I've come to realize that, like you said, the validation when maybe it was what I was seeking out, but the attention that came with it was like not my jam necessarily. Yeah, yeah. that's so, so it's interesting though, because, all right, so like you're in this and it's uncomfortable and you're in it for for a period of time and you then like realize, okay, this isn't for me. And so it's like, how did you know that you were making, like you said, not a fear-based decision, like it wasn't, it just wasn't for you versus like, I'm giving up. And how did you know that the discomfort was a sign of like, this just isn't right versus the discomfort that comes with like any form of growth? Sure. Okay. That took time. It wasn't like I just woke up and was like, nope, done. Um, (laughs) I think that moving from acting to hosting was a very, very natural and, and slow progression. So, um, it was like a gentle turn. It wasn't just like, okay, shutting the light switch off, never acting again. Like I still love it. I still admire watching it. And there's a part of me that like, oh, I wonder if I could sort of do a little acting here or there commercially or something like that. But this, this turn I took, I didn't give up acting. I wasn't like, okay, I'm never going to act again. I just said right now I'm going to focus on hosting. I'm still in front of a camera. I'm still being, you know, um, Maybe, you know, well, I think as an actor, let's just sidebar for a second. I think there's a common misconception that you are pretending to be somebody else. And it's not it at all. At least that's not how I view the art. I view the art as you showing your most private moments in public. And if you watch Meryl Streep, she's always Meryl Streep. She just looks different or she sounds different, but she's always her. It's why you're always like, staring at her and watching what she's doing it's like you feel like you know her you're she's drawing from something real Mm -hmm. and I think that you have to be able to show people your most what it looks like when you're really sad not what you want people to think it looks like when you're sad what it really looks like when you are heartbroken or scared or whatever happy it doesn't have to be bad things but I think that hosting is that too. I mean, you've got to be yourself, right? You want to be relatable. You want to like be the voice of the audience and you're trying to interview somebody or maybe you're hosting a game show or whatever it is. There's a bunch of different avenues, but it's still you tapping into trying to be honest and entertaining. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the gentle turn, it was like a slow progression into like, okay, I didn't give up acting. I just went into, I focused on this thing. And then the less acting I did and the more hosting I did, the more organic the hosting felt to me. It just felt easier. It came, In acting class, I got a lot of notes. In hosting class, I got not a lot of notes. I got a lot, a lot of like, okay, just keep doing what you're doing. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to pay attention to that. And, and then it just, all of a sudden I was doing more hosting stuff. So I didn't have time. So I was just doing, and it still felt like performing in a way I wasn't like I'm jumping out of the race no more acting ever so it wasn't like ripping the band-aid off it was like very slow movement into something else which is always easier right like for anybody you don't have to like you know you slowly walk away from something and into something else it's like all of a sudden then you're like okay this is I got to a point, I would say a couple years in where I was like, I haven't really done any acting. I really like hosting. I'm totally fine with, and I use the term jumping out of the race. 
if I ever want to mm-hmm. do it, I can. It's not like now I've signed a contract where I can't ever do something like that again, but I'm like totally okay with not doing it. Like I've taken the time to really feel like, yeah, this is not a fear-based decision. It's just what feels right for me. And I'm okay saying no to some things that come my way. The hosting world and the acting world kind of combine sometimes. And when it starts to feel like that to me, I'm totally fine being like, I've tried it and it's not my jam. Like there's also that you want to pay attention to stuff in your life that you're like, I've never, Ooh, I really want to try stand-up comedy, but I'm too scared. And then you just keep saying no, it would be different if you've done 45 stand-up shows and you're like, I don't like it. I did it. I don't right. like it. That's right. how I feel. I'm like, it's not that I don't like it. I'm just like, I've done it enough. I've, I've exercised that skill. I'm okay with never doing it again. Or, and maybe if I want to tomorrow, I will. Yeah. I think that, I, I think that makes complete sense. Cause that is a big difference between like, Oh, like I'm uncomfortable or I'm scared to do this, you know, one or two times, but I think you can't have that awareness of realizing, okay, this isn't, this isn't working for me. And like, this isn't right for me. And I think you bring up a good point that I've actually been thinking about a lot recently is like there, sometimes I feel like people or just society has this belief that life should be hard, you know, mm-hmm. that like, because there's always quotes about like, Oh, you know, if it wasn't, you know, it's the hard that makes it great and everything. And like that, you know, that that shows perseverance and hard work and like it should be difficult and lessons are hard to learn. And I've even written and spoken about that kind of stuff. But lately I've been thinking like, maybe it isn't supposed to be Mm -hmm. so hard. Like, so like when you're talking about kind of that organic switch in from acting into hosting and it was just like easier, like you felt more at ease with Mm -hmm. what doing but also like you know you weren't getting the notes and stuff like I think there's something to be said for that and maybe it's kind of you know you're going against the grain or going like you know mm-hmm. with the current and so I just I, I like that concept yeah I think I think that's like with anything and it can be totally like equivalented to dating too like I don't like when people say like oh, you know, well, it's, it's only hard if it's worth it. And we've, we're have hard times in our relationship, but like it, that just shows we care. It's like bullshit. I mean, yeah, to an extent, but like, don't use that as a convenient excuse to like continue your toxic relationship that you're afraid to leave. Now I say that I'm sounding like insensitive, but (laughs) I think after a while we're all grownups here. Like nobody ever wants to break up with anybody. Even if you're like, I'm kind of over it. You know, you don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. Like it's a breakup's always hard and we've all been through it and we're all going to go through it again or whatever. Like I, there's only so much leeway you can give for like the, that excuse world that you live in. But like, I kind of feel like, yeah, let's get to the point where we recognize that in your career or in a relationship or whatever. Like, yes, there are challenges. Like not everything is so easy breezy. Like, romantic comedy but like you have to get to a point that you have some sort of a boundary for yourself where you go okay enough is enough like and that looks different for everybody but like I think it's important to at least figure out what that is for you like yeah okay there are challenges that come with this thing but there are only so many times I'm gonna run into a wall and not and there's no open door on the other side like it's just I think pay attention to that kind of stuff or just stay on the ship and sail around in a circle for the rest of your life, like, and complain about it. Yeah. I mean, it takes sometimes, you know, a long time to 
recognize that the the door maybe was opening, 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 and now you feel like you're hitting a wall. And so you're like, uh, oh gosh, I've been running into the same problem for a while. Maybe I should make a shift. But I think there is a definite difference, you know, balancing on the fence of this challenge is normal or this is not making me feel good anymore. Right. Exactly. Like I was just thinking, I think it probably both in career stuff and then also like going back to relationships, I think it like what type of hard like matters. So, cause I think, you know, you can be in a great relationship, but every now and then it's going to trigger some of your own issues that like you haven't dealt with. Like Mm -hmm. that's a different type of hard than like somebody like blatantly not treating you right. Or if there like, isn't a connection there. So, because I, I do believe that growth in, in any form, like career wise, personal wise, you know, relationships romantic or not can be uncomfortable because we are, you know, then being vulnerable, we feel vulnerable because like we're being triggered and stuff. So I just think that's a really interesting, like kind of analysis of where, you know, what is the good hard and what is the, the bad hard in terms of like, this isn't right. Yeah. And being careful not to throw the cliched term on top of bad hard. Like, oh, well, it's like we said, like, oh, it's only hard if it's worth it or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, don't fool yourself. I think you we all know when we're making excuses and it might not be in the very moment, but I think either shortly thereafter or sometimes in the moment, there's somewhere in you that goes, but is Mm -hmm. it, is it really true? Or is that really how I feel? Or am I really happy? And I think that might be a way to, it might not always work because sometimes it's, it's very cloudy, but in layered, but always ask yourself those questions, right? Like don't send yourself down a rabbit hole of like overanalyzing until something doesn't exist. But I think it's healthy to, if you do feel that little, what we call gut feeling or a little like whatever that feels like for you, maybe it's like a, an actual physical feeling or like maybe your, your brain starts asking questions. And so, you know, like that's time to pay attention. Whenever that comes up for you, don't ignore it. In those moments, I think it'll get you to the truth quicker to say is, but is this too hard or why, um, why am I feeling this way? Or is this something that I can take responsibility for, or is it somebody else's responsibility? How can I make a change? Like, don't be afraid to dig a little deeper in those moments. Cause I think that's how you arrive to like the more honest answer that you are maybe looking for. Like, this is too hard. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And like, in my experience, like though that little, that gut feeling, that voice is just so freaking quiet. And so like, when you look back, like, you know, hindsight is always 2020. You're like, oh yeah, it's like, I knew, but in the moment, like mm-hmm. it, that it's just, it's just such a quiet voice. And so I, and, and I contend to, because I, I'm very much a thinker and probably an overanalyzer, but like I can analyze thoughts like into a rabbit hole, like, oh my God, is this my gut or is this a fear? And what does this mean? And am I really happy and blah, 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 blah. And then before mm-hmm. I know it, like, I, I don't even know what I'm thinking. So yeah, me, I think like even just taking that first step of like awareness of that little voice is like recognizing it, like, yeah, huh, there's something there. Yeah. My hope is that then like with time, it'll get a little bit like louder and clearer of, okay, is this my gut talking or is this like fears or insecurities talking? 
totally. And you even have a great art. It's not as to say overanalyzing. I mean, you have that great article about like, it's okay to be an overthinker. <laughs> I think that's the title of it, but it's it, like, I read it and was like, yes, this is me. And it's okay. I'm normal. Like, it's not a bad thing. There are some good qualities that come from that, but yeah, I do the same thing. I'm like, all of a sudden, I don't even know which way is up because I've like had a fake argument in my head. I've like gone down 18 rabbit holes. I'm like, where the hell am I now? <laughs> like, I totally, but yeah, I think just identifying that gut is like totally the way to go. And funnily enough, and I don't even think funnily is a word, but now it is. My acting teacher taught me more about life, I think, than acting. And I think that's why he was a good acting teacher, because it is life. You're trying to show real life. He always said, break it down to the simplest terms. Like, it can be applied to anything, but if obviously it was analyzing a scene or a character, but it could be analyzing yourself or a problem or a relationship, break it down to like you, like if you needed to explain this to a two-year-old, how would you explain it to them? Like to the point where like you're maybe feeling insecure about something and you're, you would start to explain it like, well, I don't know. I feel insecure because like, I don't know if I, I just, that there's like a trust issue there. And I, I don't really know if I can really believe this thing because he lied to me one time. Okay. Now all of you're already being confusing. Like break it down even simpler. Like, okay, you don't trust the person. Why? Uh, because I don't feel safe. Why don't you feel safe? Because I don't, I'm afraid I'm going to get left. What is so scary about that? I want to be loved. Why do you, why are you afraid you're not going to be loved? Because I feel unlovable. Okay. There it is. Yeah. You had to tell a two-year-old why you were crying right now, because I feel unlovable. Like yes. don't get, try to get as simple as you can because it's usually something really easy like that. Like I'm afraid I'm not smart enough or I'm don't, you know, something about the way you look or your ability or whatever it is. Like it's you and, and psychology wise, like a lot of that stuff does come from childhood. So like you're going back to maybe the root of the problem potentially. Exactly. Yes. I love that. I love that. Like, like you're explaining it to a child mm -hmm. for that same reason of like, the simplicity to talk to like a two-year-old means you've got to remove all those layers of bullshit that we've piled along like over the years. Mm -hmm. Like, and so it just brings it back to, you know, a more childlike state, which is a more honest state because you're more just in that present moment, not like what are all the historical contexts of the situation? What are all my fears about the future? It's just kind of like, this is how yeah. I feel right now. And, and, and of course you're going to get back to those things, but to break it down just to start off with, like it's this thing, or maybe it's this thing, like you don't have to be so sure. Like, but yeah, I, I think it's this thing it's easier to build from there. But yeah, with like, even like the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about like life happens, right? Like you're trying to have a career and you're trying to have life. Like you're so, your brain's going 400 miles an hour every day with like a billion thoughts. Like just in those moments, just try to get simple and like take a deep breath and like go from there because there's just too many thoughts happening, especially in brains like ours, Casey. I mean, I think we've got a similar <laughs> yeah. working brain. It's like, oh my God, can we just shut it off for a second? Like, I can't even get a massage because I'm like, okay. Like my brain goes like, okay, I'm supposed to relax right now. All right. I'm relaxing. Well, why would I not be relaxing? What do I have to worry about? Oh God. And then I go I'm like, great. This yep. is fun. <laughs> but I know, but I think, I think 
I think everyone's like that because I mean, our minds are just busy all the time. And so then I think where where you and I and, and people that would be considered quote unquote overthinkers is like that then like extra awareness of how busy your mind is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is like that then causes a lot of people like anxiety too, because you're just it would it's almost a, a situation where like ignorance would be bliss. Like if you were so attached to your thoughts or so close to them that you weren't even like aware that they were going a mile a minute, that might be better than being aware of them, but like having a hard time shutting them off. Oh, totally. And I think there are times of the day or they're rare, but like where that happens, where you're just sort of like, oh, like you, maybe you just daze off into dreamland or something and like things kind of silence or shut off or you're just unaware of the speed of things mm-hmm. it can happen it's just like I mean that's why everyone wants to be like meditating and stuff because you're trying to get to that that blissful like non-chaotic state but I think it can be done it's just like yeah ignorance would be bliss for sure like just not even knowing what is going on and just being like out to lunch it would be great if I had some ability yeah. to do that a little bit more those moments those moments do happen. Like they just, they tend to happen. Um, I've read somewhere, I heard somewhere. So like when you're in the shower or when you're driving, like, you know, you drive home or, or you take a shower and you're like, you get out and you're like, did I even wash my hair? Like you don't, or you drive home. And you're like, I don't even really remember driving home and I'm sober. Like you just, you've like, or I, when I used to run a lot, like I would get that feeling when I was running where all of a sudden like a, a block of time is kind of just gone. And so sometimes those are, I think the most common times, unless you're trying to sit down and actually meditate that your brain will like take a rest. Yeah. I I know what you're talking about and I have felt that before. Yeah. But it's like not when I'm trying to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Cause when you're trying to do it, you're just then very aware of everything. Very aware. And then ignorance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's shift over to your personal life. Cause I know you're planning a wedding Um, so like what, and you have a dating podcast. So like, what has been your experience, I guess, with relationships and kind of like your struggles and like, how did that all play into, um, you know, your life in terms of trying to figure out your career and kind of being in one direction then shifting into another and all of that? Yeah. Okay. Well, the dating thing I think that is similar to like the acting career there was like a resistance there like or like a struggle or a challenge like mine looked like this like I am a pretty open person I usually not saying there's times where like that doesn't make me uncomfortable but usually I'm pretty open or I've like my default mode is to like just not be cagey with things sometimes and it's hard to be, I mean, I'm just going to say it, like, I think as a woman, and, and maybe a man has its own set of challenges in this world, but, like, I think for a woman, like, we're, like, supposed to play hard to get. We're supposed to look a certain, like, you know, um, there's things we're not supposed to talk about, like how much sex we have, or, you know, there's <laughs> things that we're, like, not allowed to say on a first date, like, that we want to get married and have kids because it makes us look desperate. Don't answer the text too fast. Don't yep. say, you know, it's yep. like, and I just am not good at that. I'm not good at like being inauthentic. I mean, I'm sure it's not to say I'm like, I'm always just so honest and for, you know, like that's not real either, but I just wasn't good at like 
playing hard to get. Not as to say that I'm like the desperate girl all the time. That That's not always what that other end of that looks like. I just wasn't the girl that was like, I guess, could play a bit of a game or, and and there's an art to it too. I think that it's not always bad to sort of occupy yourself with some other things so that, you know, just for your own sanity. And then it ends up, you know, like you're, you actually are organically busy and doing other things. And I think that's great, but I just wasn't good at that. I wasn't good at like not answering a text back when I was like waiting. How So if I wait three hours and this guy's going to like me, like what? Yeah. It just always bothered me. Like I just didn't get it. And I was girl, you know, girlfriends would give me advice about that kind of a thing. And I would just like, there was resistance on my part. Like, but why do I have to do that? Or like, and I think I went from like being in a lot of serious relationships to then being single for a while. And that it was hard for me to like, just to get real, like I, it was hard for me to like, think about having sex with like people that I didn't really know that well. Right. Like it had only ever really just been with like men that I was like in love with. And then I was like, wait, I'm supposed to like go on a couple dates and like do sex with this person. What? Like it was not, (laughs) it felt like, you know, there, and there was a transition there where I like, I think I tried to remain, I tried to learn how it felt to be single. So like, you know, there was a part of me that knew I needed to focus on like not putting all my eggs in one basket on a date or two, like dating a couple of different guys, making myself organically busy, still being authentic and answering text messages when I want and talking about what I wanted and needed, which wasn't always easy or never. Sometimes I wasn't able to do it because I was insecure or whatever, but trying to do it. And, um, and then just having fun being single. And I, and I, it took me a while. But I, I remember being like, I'm having fun being single and I want to be in a relationship, but I'm having a lot of fun being single. And then it was not very long after that, that I met my fiance. <laughs> right. When you realize like, oh, I'm kind of enjoying this. And it's like, yeah, nope. <laughs> I think I found the joy in like just being whatever my life looked like at that time. Like, and I don't think that's coincidence. Like people say, oh, you meet someone when you're not looking and, and you hear that advice. I remember I used to get that advice all the time when I was single and I'd be like, well, that's like bullshit because like, I'm not looking, but like, I'm not finding anyone, but it's like, I was looking because I was like trying to not look with the hopes that then I would meet someone, which is still just like a backdoor into looking. Exactly. You're just like covering it up with like, well, I'm not paying attention, but I mean, I really remember being like, I like being single right now. Like, I remember knowing that I am ultimately probably going to end up in in a relationship like I would like to get married and do all those things. Like, I think that's what I want. But I was like, I really am like totally cool with this right now. Like, this is great. Kind of like, yeah, almost even like, being in a relationship, like, although I want it, I think like, Ooh, this sounds more fun right now. Like it was almost Mm -hmm. even like that, like kind of questioning, like, wait though, do I really want it? I mean, I think I do, but like, do I, cause I'm really having fun. So I think it was real. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that that kind of acceptance and then just coming to peace with the stage of life that you are in, whatever that looks like is like a really important step before you're ever going to take the next step. It's like, Mm -hmm. you have to be okay with, and not just like settle for it. Okay. But like really good with kind of where you are. And 
And I talk a lot about kind of trying to remove that concept of needing to be in a relationship because that, I think if you, you know, did the, the childlike exercise and peel back all those layers, like your reason for thinking you need to be in a relationship ties back to some kind of, you know, feeling like I'm not lovable or Mm -hmm. I'm not worthy, like something, something about yourself. And, and so I think if you get, if you can remove that need and get to this point where it's like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Maybe one day, but like right now, like I'm good and like really actually mean that, then I think that's when you've removed that need. And I think that's just like a key part of like happiness. Totally. I think that's a really good point. Like discovering whatever that thing is that we we all have a, a thing. Like, I don't, I don't even think you need to get to the point where you're like, okay, I I need to get over that thing. I think you carry insecurities. It's normal. There's normal, healthy insecurities that we all have, and you can carry those into your relationships. But if you identify them and you know what a trigger is for it Mm -hmm. and you know what you can then take responsibility for in the, the next relationship you're in, it helps with everything because right. Like these insecurities are real. Everyone has them. They're always going to be there. You've identified it. And now you're in a relationship where your this insecurity is being triggered and you can sit and say, what role do I, what responsibility do I have for this insecurity? Is this all me or is this insecurity being exacerbated by somebody's bad and disrespectful behavior? Because I can take responsibility for some of it, but all this over here is maybe not me and I can do whatever I can do on my end to deal with my responsibility. But now this stuff I can identify as you. And maybe that's the moment where you go, you know what? This is too hard. This is the point where this is too hard because it's not never anybody else's total fault. Right. So like that could be a good jumping off point. Like I am happy where I'm at right now. I've identified this thing that might be a trigger or an insecurity for me. Totally cool. Totally cool with it. Having fun where I'm at, ready to move on to the next step so that it's easier to go from there. Yeah, I I think it's, it's, again, I think it kind of comes back to like awareness. So like you have to be aware of what your triggers are. And so when they go off, kind of like you said, like, okay, am I doing this to myself? Like, cause I'm playing this weird game in my mind that isn't reality. Or is this other person triggering me and whatever they're doing to trigger me? Like, is that an okay behavior or is it not? And then that's how you kind of sort through all of that. But it's like, I like that you said that you know, the insecurities are going to stay with you forever because I literally up until earlier this week have kind of always thought, okay, I'm going to identify like my root insecurity, which I'm pretty sure has something to do with um, like some kind of fear of, of rejection um, or like not thinking I'm worthy. I don't really know, but I've always thought, okay, I'm going to identify what that is and then I'll be able to like remove it. And I was talking to, I met with a therapist earlier this week, who's going to be a guest on the podcast. And she said something that really kind of like blew my mind about how she's like, don't kind of almost like, why am I punishing myself for kind of whatever I had to do to feel safe at the time? Yeah. So it's like, it, it's, it's almost just accepting all, all parts of you, like insecurities included. And then yeah. you just, you know, they're there, you know, the triggers are, and then you, you kind of find a way to like do life with them. Totally. And don't be under the like guise of like, 
I, no one's going to like me if they know this about me, because guess what? Like, hello, everyone has them. It's way more relatable. It's way more real. Like learn to lean on people for a little bit. If you need to take a little bit of good energy or like strength from obviously not totally from someone else, but that's okay to do, you know, and be vulnerable and be open. But yeah, like, I don't think getting rid of the insecurity is like the goal. I think it's, yeah, like you said, like living with it totally makes sense. Yeah. And just like accepting that that insecurity exists from probably a long time ago where you, you developed it out of some kind of need for you to feel safe or to survive whatever situation you were in. And so like, ultimately that's okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It really kind of blew my mind. Okay. So now you're, you're planning a wedding and you're going to be a stepmother. So are there, are there fears associated with that role? Well, actually, uh, the wedding, we want to get married. That is totally not, it's, it's, it's going to happen. I think though the wedding planning has been put to a pause because we feel like our journey is not going to necessarily happen in the order, like the traditional quote unquote order, if you will. Like Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit older. He's a little bit older. We're thinking, do we use this money to buy a house and start a family? We want to have a wedding. I love weddings. I think they're fun. I love going to them. I know a lot of people want like asking us like, when is it going to happen? We want to come. This is going to be so fun. And we love that. But like, I think we have, I think we're choosing to go a little out of order and the planning to, to answer that question, like shortly it, it stressed me out. Like mm-hmm. it was very expensive and we couldn't really like, there wasn't like a place where we're like, we have to do it here. Um, it, we're sort of open. And so it made it kind of overwhelming. And like, then you, then you're like, oh, this place is kind of cute. Like, oh, I kind of like this. And they're like, that'll be $40,000. And you're like, yeah, not that cute. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm all set. Like not $40,000 cute. Like, you know, so we kind of just were like, um, maybe this is not how it looks for us right now. Maybe it makes sense to like use that money for like a down payment on a house and like have a more like smaller intimate wedding. I've discovered through the planning process that again, all the attention on me makes me very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a very private, like vulnerable moment. And there's like, everyone's staring at you like you're the star of the show. And I'm like, Oh, like it's giving me anxiety. (laughs) Um, and and that there's a lot about like traditional wedding planning that I'm like not like untraditional by any stretch of the imagination, but there's some stuff where I'm just like, why, why are we doing that? Like, why do we have to do that? That's weird. Like you just do, you just get in wedding robot mode, right? You're like, yeah. you walk down the aisle, everyone stands up, everyone sits down, everyone claps. Like, why does it have to look like that? It doesn't need to be super unconventional, but like, can we just stand on a beach and drink? And then like, maybe we say some vows that take like two minutes. Cause who wants to sit through like all that and then go have a party? <laughs> like, isn't that you can totally do that I know and so it started to look like that so when it happens it'll probably be something like pretty low-key and like fun like that but as far as the planning we have like sort of put it on pause and are planning like different sections of our life which have a new set of like anxiety you know like money for a house and what that looks like and like making sure that we have the finances for things and as far as being a stepmother yeah I mean I I feel a great responsibility to like set a really good example and show up and be there for this other person. And it, I've been doing it. I've sort of always been 
taking that role because I feel like I'm not playing house here. Like I'm dating somebody who has a daughter and like, if I want to be with this person, which I knew, I would say probably like a year into it, I was like pretty sure that like he was the one or whatever, whatever. I wanted to be with him forever. Like, right. Yeah. However that you say that then at that point it was like, it's not going to change. Not that you would think that anyway, because I know how you think, I think, but like, it's not going to change once we're like married, like this is, it. I yeah. mean, yes, that level of commitment is like, it does mean something, but it was sort of like, I've been trying to be that person to her from like, you know, close into the relationship when the relationship started to get serious enough. And I moved in after like a couple of years. And so that life has already been sort of playing out. Um, right. But yeah, so I mean, you already, yeah, you already are, you're doing it and you have been doing I'm it. Doing it. Yeah. I have discovered too, like, we, James and I, my fiance and I have different parenting styles. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're discovering this before we have like a child together of our own. And it's totally fine. Like it's just different. Like he does things different than me. I'm like I said, probably a thousand times that I'll say again, I'm way more neurotic than him. So like, I'm like kind of like a, a taskmaster. I'm like, I asked you to do this thing and why aren't you doing it yet? Like, <laughs> yeah. like I was also a nanny for 15 years. So I'm like, it is my job to get the things done with the kids, do this thing, check it off the list, move on to the next project. Like, and I've learned, like, I'm learning from him that like, it doesn't have to look that way. And I'm sure he's learned stuff from me, but yeah, that it brings anxiety too. Cause then you're like, am I doing something wrong? Like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like, oh my God, you know, like, oh, I I did the wrong thing. That's like a tough dynamic because so, you know, when you have, a baby and then like you know you bring the baby home and it's like you kind of grow up in pan parenting at the same rate like of the child so like yes. you know when couples bring home babies they're always like I don't I feel like I don't I can't believe they even let me bring this baby home like I don't know what I'm doing and so then by the time that child is um you said she's 10 right like they're yeah. they're 10 years in and then yeah. that couple is 10 years into figuring out parenting together. And so you are now, you're coming in as like, and granted you've got a lot of experience with kids, but in terms of like the actual parenting, like you two are figuring it out and like, you don't have an infant, like you have a 10 year old. A fully formed, a grown up who trusts me, she has her own opinion, which is good, but she does. It's like, you're totally right. I didn't even think about it like that. Like I came into an already working mechanism and like, you know, and it, yeah, there's a, it's a whole for everybody, for him and for her and for me, it's like, well, who's this person all of a sudden, you know, it's like, we weren't doing this together for very long. And so that is it. Yeah. I mean, it's like learning how to work as a team. Um, And, you know, comparatively to how long she's been alive, I'm like a blip on the radar. So Yeah. 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 You're still like the new shiny toy. Totally. I, I have a couple friends who who were in kind of similar situations and I've always thought about like and maybe every scenario is is difficult and also fantastic, but I just think I find that one super interesting because of the learning process. Like you didn't get to start from the beginning. Mm-mm. Yeah. It does it does change the texture for sure. It's um it, it has its own set of challenges and its own set of great things as well. Just like anything, any relationship in life, like it's pretty much applicable for anything, but yeah, for sure. Um, coming into an already like 
working mechanism like that, or even working, not working, whatever, just it's already formed. It's going, it's like a, a train that's been moving and you're like jumping on this train, trying to keep up and like, you know, trying to inject your own personality and your own like gems of, of like knowledge and, and whatever you, however you can help and contribute, but you're also trying to like blend in at the same time. I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it is challenging, but it's, it's also, I will say this going back to like, is it really hard? Like, when do you know if it's like really hard or if these are just normal challenges or it's become too hard? Like, it doesn't feel like that ever. And I know that. Um, I recognize that it does not feel like, okay, this is just never going to get better or it's never going to like feel right or it's never going to work. Like, this is too much. It never feels like that. Yeah. And see, so that's, that's so great that it's like you have that perspective because you've already, you felt what it feels like when it's, when, when it's the bad kind of hard and when it's yeah. the, like, this is not right kind of hard. So, right. okay. Yeah. I like that. And, and you've also entered the picture right before the teenage years. So uh, yeah, that'll be fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. Like it's start, it's starting to like you just as girl to girl, like we all know, like I'm recognizing some of the things where I'm like, Oh, yeah. here we go. James has no idea what he's in for. He just like gets nervous. She'll say something and he just like, his face is like, Oh, Oh, I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> Just let me handle it. <laughs> this is where it'll probably switch where all of a sudden you'll be like, honey, yeah. don't worry about it. And he's going to be like, what's going on? And you're like, I'm now the, kind of the more experienced one because I've been there. I've myself. been there. Totally. And he is a very hands-on dad. It's what makes me like love him so much. He is a really, really good dad. Does a lot for her, like more than what you would think of the traditional dad role just because he's he just that guy. And it's great. But it's hard for him to let go of the, to cut the cord. Cause he can see like, you know, she's getting older and things are happening and like, he doesn't want it to go away. And he's yeah, like, grasping. Like girl. Yeah, totally. And so, and now I'm like, you just wait till she's 16 and you don't even understand what we're saying. Cause that's going to happen. We will have a conversation. He's just going to be like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> like, you know, and he, but he has bonded with, he is so bonded with her. Like, from like he her um her mother and him split up when she was very young and so when when James had his daughter with him it was just the two of them mm-hmm. together and so that that creates like a really strong bond and they have they do have a very strong bond like more strong than most daughter fathers that I've ever seen um and so it's hard for him to let go of the reins but I think yes like you said teenage years I think it's going to be my turn to like bond a little more I didn't get to bond with her as a baby and that makes me sad sometimes but I'm like it'll happen it'll just happen in a different way yeah you'll just bond at a a different but like equally important stage of life like totally totally well like I I mean I just I applaud you because you just you are doing life your way which isn't always the normal way but like you're very aware of what works for you and what doesn't. And so you like shift and change directions when needed. And like, you're not afraid of situations that some people might be like too afraid to, to go into, whether because it doesn't fit, you know, the textbook way life is supposed to be, or because it comes with added responsibilities. So, right. Um, yeah. And I, will, I mean, th- thank you for saying that, but I will say, I do think that I could have recognized again in retrospect like that I could have transitioned 
happened a little quicker on those things sometimes. But I've come to learn that that's just me. Again, you you are who you are. You take your insecurities and the good and bad everywhere you go. And recognizing that thing is the most important part. And for me, I know sometimes it takes me a little bit to transition. It takes me a little longer to get to that that re- realization and make the change. And that's okay. Um, I know that. So now I know when I can like push myself and in, in, within my comfort zone um, or even out of it sometimes and when that's necessary. But yeah, I mean, I think, thank you for saying that. But I think, yeah, my, my, my challenge within that even is like, recognizing that the transitional period um, that, you know, I think I, it, I take a little more time than I should. And like, just always challenging myself with that, like, how can I take the next step? How can I, how can I recognize the realization of taking the next step that um, it's okay to do that and not like hem and haw so much and overthink too much, you know, you can do that too much. Oh, yep, 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 I know. Well, so you pretty much just kind of answered usually my like final question for people, but I'll I'll pose it just in case there's something else of since this is the Better You podcast, like what what is your kind of top priority of what you're working on to like better yourself in your life right now? I think it go it's it's connected to what I just said, but it's always I even have a bracelet on right now, the woo-woo hokey LA girl in me that says let it go. And <laughs> That is something that I know in every sense of the word. I, it's always something that I have to maintain and pay attention to. And it's something that I will prob I know I will never have to stop working on. It's just the way my brain works. Like it's hard for me to let go of things sometimes, not like anger or like fights. I mean, yes, sometimes it's like I have a hard time like processing like an argument and then I'm like, oh. I can't just wake up in the morning and that's like, if it's not resolved, like it's not resolved. I still feel like the heaviness of it, like try to let it go, try to like little things like that. But then also just like letting go in a moment where like I'm feeling anxious, like just let go, try, try to stop controlling whatever this is that you're afraid of or like, you know, bigger picture stuff. Um, But I think that I always try to tell myself to like, let it go or let go. Um, it's usually applicable for most things that make me feel like nervous or anxious. And so it's just something I'm always working on and it looks different all the time, but it's usually like we said, right. Going back to that two-year-old explanation, like just let it go. Yes. And, And for whatever the situation is, it like, it's, it can be, it sounds generic, but it's very specific for, for a situation that is like coming up, bubbling up, if I say, let it go, I usually can figure out specifically what that means in that moment. Well, I, I love that. And um, yes, we definitely have like the same brain because I have let go tattooed on my wrist. So I felt so strongly about that little affirmation that I was like, I need this in my face every day permanently. (laughs) I have said more than once, I need to get this tattooed on my body somewhere. So thanks for the inspiration. Might copy you on that one. Okay. Well, so here's what I did, which I would also recommend do it in your own handwriting. So write, let go, and then take that and have them so it's in your own handwriting as like a reminder to you from yourself. Love it. Oh, my God. That's so great. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me on. I had the best time. You're always so insightful. And we love having you on our podcast, too. So if anyone listens to that show as well, like Casey, come back on. And we just love bantering about stuff like this this with you so knowledgeable and open and honest and like 
full of great tips and and so, I mean like I re I realized like something in this talk with you like I'm like I don't <laughs> ever realized that before so I love that I love that you pull that out of people and um your show's awesome and you're awesome and I'm just happy to be here and and talk about all the things yes no I love it I could talk about this stuff forever so tell everyone though where they can find you and where they can follow you and remind them the name of the podcast and all that you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social media platforms and then our show at Complicated Show on all the social media platforms. And you can find us at um, It's Complicated Podcast on anywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, great. And you guys definitely check it out. Um, you've, you guys have had some like really good guests lately. Um, I was like really jealous when I saw you had Monica Berg. I'm like, holy moly. Yes, um, so yeah, right. everybody definitely go check out their show. Um, yes, it is about dating, but you guys just dig into all kinds of life stuff. So it's it's very much applicable to even people in relationships. Yep. Yeah. I, for, it's for everybody. I think it applies to any stage of your life and what relationships are looking like that in that moment for you. It could be friendships, anything. So yeah, definitely take a listen. I'm sure there's something in the repertoire that you can relate to and, um, yeah, Casey, we'd love to have you back on too. So yeah, definitely. Let's book it. All righty. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you. Thank All you right. so much to Lauren for sharing her story. Some of my favorite takeaways from our conversation are how we can get so attached to or fixated on a goal or a dream that we don't then take the time to check back in and make sure it is really what we still want for our life. How there's a difference between things being hard because growth is uncomfortable versus being hard because it just isn't right for us. The importance of paying attention to your gut feelings and digging into them a little deeper, whether it just be noticing them or starting to ask all the questions and ask all the whys. How breaking things down into their simplest form, as if you were going to explain it to a two-year-old, can help bring clarity into what's really going on with us. And lastly, the importance of recognizing our own insecurities and what triggers them, so we can better understand what parts we need to take responsibility for versus what parts someone else is contributing to. And then deciding where is our line for walking away. If you enjoyed the podcast, I hope you will share it with someone else who you think will relate to it. Please subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at the Better You Podcast, as well as reach me at thebetteryoupodcast at gmail.com. And you can find all things about me and what I'm up to, including my book at caseymain.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day.